week. I'm really excited, but a few weeks ago, Mike said to me, oh, can you preach, a few months ago, sorry, can you preach on our last week of the series? And I said, yeah, yeah, and as a great wife, I definitely wasn't listening to him. Um, And so a couple of weeks ago, I started writing this sermon and thinking about what God wanted uh, me to say, and then I read that the, the, the New Year's solution or the New Year's resolution that a lot of people make is they want to read more. Yeah. You'd think that would be super exciting, wouldn't you? Except that I don't read. Uh, so last year I read two books. Two books, everybody. One of them was The Barefoot Investor and the other one was some big drama, like soapy drama thing, which so neither of them really count. And this year, I will tell you, I am six chapters into a book that I meant to have finished by next week. So I am, I am working hard. So it is quite ironic that I am up here going to speak to you about re- how we should all read more and about that news resolution. But you've probably heard the line that leaders are readers. Now, I am a leader and I'm not much of a reader, so I tend to change that to leaders are learners. That's my new line. So I do love to learn. I love to listen to podcasts. You you always find me um, listening to a podcast, learning something new. Uh, And, you know, I think even when I think about the books that I read last year, in particular the Barefoot Investor one, I love learning about new ways of doing things. Um, but it's also not just that I don't enjoy it, it's actually that I find reading quite difficult. So I all struggled throughout school, and it was only about year 10 that they diagnosed me with dyslexia. And having that diagnosis was wonderful because it meant that I could understand why I struggled with reading or why I struggled with schoolwork and things like that. So it wasn't heaps easy. There's a bit of a joke in my house because I failed year 8 English. And so the kids love to joke around about that. But I also worked out the other day that my level of spelling is about year two. So Charlie came home last week with the word succumb and I was like, all right, I'm done. That's it. That is my level right there, but that's okay. We're all good at different things. So the idea of me talking about reading is kind of silly, but I hope you'll forgive me and we'll press into it. Um, And if you are are a reader, that is awesome. Encounter has actually just started up a Encounter reading club, which is fun. So you can jump on that. It's all online, all digital, Um, but we've got some, your book doesn't have to be digital. You can get a hard copy if you enjoy reading hard copies. Um, but we're just, they're doing that, they're going through some really easy to read books and some really formational uh, ones for your faith and stuff like that. So no matter where you're at, I encourage you to um, have a chat to Mike, he will get you connected in or jump onto Facebook and message him and he will get you into that. So I actually have a reading goal this year, apart from finishing the books that I have to finish for this leadership course that I've started, which I will do in the next two weeks because I am going to be laying on a beach, so I probably will have a little bit of time. We're not going to talk about Fiji, though, although I'm sure after it, most of your sermons, probably over the next six months, will be about things that happen in Fiji, so we'll leave it there. Um, but I, am, I do have a bit of a reading goal, and my reading goal is actually to finish, and it's a quite a big goal, is actually to finish journaling through the whole Bible. So, um, which sounds crazy for someone who doesn't love reading, but one thing I've learned is that I don't love reading, but I love reading my scriptures. And so over the past few years, I've actually been journaling through the whole Bible. And I don't mean just reading seven chapters and and writing a line about each of them. I mean that I've taken each chapter and I'm dissecting it and working out what it means and doing the research online and, um, and writing about. Sometimes I'll even do half a chapter if there's something that really gets me and trying to work out what God is saying to me through the scriptures. Because I've learned over the years that I love to learn and I love the scriptures. And um, so that's my goal for this year. I've said it out loud. Now you can all keep me accountable to it. Um, It's quite a big goal, so we'll see if I get it. But I always reach for the stars. So 
I thought I'd do a little bit of a stat, like find out some stats on reading because I think that, so for some of us, I'd probably be like, oh yeah, reading is, you know, in the past, especially reading paperback books. Um, my husband's into e-books or whatever, but if I'm going to read a book, it has to be hard copy. We found out that actually majority of people want to read books for relaxation. So most of the, the survey that was done by the government and by um, Macquarie University said that essentially that people actually do want to read. But the truth is, not many people are actually reading. So 65% of people actually read books at least once a week, which is pretty good, I think. Um, but 95% of them go on the internet once a week. And I'm guessing the other 5% is probably people over the age of about 90. My poor 92-year-old neighbour down the, down the road, I can't even text her, I have to give her a call and find out how she's going because she just doesn't, she doesn't even hear her mobile, let alone to hear text. So anyway, that's okay. It was interesting, exercise was even lower than reading books, so you know I want to listen to Mike's sermon the other week. But the stats are, 61% of females are frequent readers, so go girls, we're not too bad. Males, you are much, much lower at 38.8%, you need to step that up a little bit. The highest bracket of readers, people who read frequently, um, are between the ages of 30 and 59 at 46%. And the under-30s, who is most of you in the room, you're at 15%. So you need to work at that. So if you're male and you're under 30, then you really need to join the Encounter Reading Club. You really do. That's what the stats tell us anyway. So tonight I want to talk about how the girl who hates reading has come to love the Word of God. I can sit in the book, books of the Bible for hours, honestly. I love reading the Scripture I love working out the meaning behind um, what God's saying about something in the Bible. I've heard people um, speak about how the Bible is boring, but the Bible is full of murder and mystery and sacrifices and creation stories and love stories. And, you know, it, it's, it's a beautiful book. Even if you don't read it as the Word of God, the stories in it are so interesting. I've been reading um, 1 and 2 Samuel at the moment, and it's all about war and the struggles of beauty uh, in the midst of war. What a gift we have been given with the Word of God. But many of us, we don't see it as a gift. We see it as a burden, right? Something that we must read or we feel guilty when we don't do it. Or we can't understand the history of it all or how it relates to us today. That's something I hear all the time. And we think, yeah, I want to read my Bible more. And, you know, probably I will for a few weeks, like most New Year's resolutions. Uh, but eventually it'll get to the point where I read it, you know, once a week or once a fortnight or once a month. And I get it. I absolutely get it. And I was exactly like that. And there's been a time in my life where I started to fall in love with the Word of God. And I want to talk about why that is tonight. So I want to go into the Scriptures because the best place to learn about God is in His Scriptures. So we'll start with 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be competent, equipped, and equipped for every good work. So this is saying, firstly, that the word of God is actually given to us by God. So it was written down by man, but what this scripture is telling us is that it's actually uh, God who spoke it into being and, and, and made it happen. 
And it's saying that it actually has every, somewhere in the scriptures has everything you need for life, everything you need for training, everything you need to be equipped for every work that God has called you to do. I love the way it says for every good word, good work. And I love that because that's talking about God's work. God's work is good work. And then I want to skip to Joshua 1.8. And it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be, may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I kind of like this one because I feel like it could be in a fortune cookie, like good success. You will have good success, right? Um, I was going to do a, like a Chinese accent then, but I would have offended everybody in the room, and I would have done a terrible job at it. So <laughs> know your line, Elaine, everybody stay in your lane. But I, <laughs> I think it's also saying that will help, the Bible will help us know what it is to walk in the right path with God. I think it's saying that even when things go wrong, when we know we're in the center of God's will and God's word, then we know uh, that we can be prosperous in our walk with God, that our lives will be blessed when we walk in line with what God's saying. I love the way Joshua talks about success. When he's talking about success here, he's not talking about money and power or anything like that. Joshua is redefining success as following God. Imagine that, that you don't have to be, have heaps of money and cars and jobs to be successful, but simply following God is success. Wow. Does that just make, doesn't that just take a weight off your shoulders? I don't know. This last scripture that I want us to kind of delve into a little bit tonight is really important to me. Because this scripture has been what's helped me grow and grow and, and, and run this church uh, and to follow the word of God. It's actually a scripture that God gave to me a few years ago and he said, this is a scripture for your church. This is something I want you to hold on and this is something for you in particular. And so the word is, the, the, it's, it is behind me. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, if you've been around, church for, if you've been around our church for a long time, you would know or you would have heard um, me actually preach on this before. And I'm going to keep preaching on it until we get it because it's such an important topic. It's not on the podcast, so you can't listen to it, um, which is probably good just in case I repeat myself. No, I'm just joking. Um, but it is such an important scripture that I, I believe is really uh, pivotal for us wherever we're at in our faith, wherever we're at in our journey, in our walk. I was just talking to the growth track people before about how we're all on journeys in our faith, and that is okay. That is a great thing. You can belong here before you believe. And I believe that God is saying to us is that unless we have the word of God, that we're actually walking in darkness. We don't have to live not knowing the way God wants for us. We don't have to follow blindly. The years of people following in the faith blindly are over. They're not coming to an end. They are over. To the bulk of the world, you are strange to following Jesus. And the truth is, until you know Jesus, you can't even understand why people um, would want to give up their Sunday afternoons. But when you, when you know Jesus and you know the love of him, you can understand that. But essentially, you know, believing blindly is just not going to happen anymore. We're not brought to church as little kids unless our, kids, unless our parents have a faith. In the olden days, you went to church no matter what. You know, your Sunday morning was Sunday school, you went to church. 
And God told me when we started this church that this verse was to be a lamp unto my feet. It was all I needed to run this church with Mike. It has been my guide when things have gone wrong. And it's also been my verse to celebrate with when things have gone well. That through the scriptures that God would speak to me. And if I found myself in the scriptures, that he would guide my way. And can I tell you, when you start a church, you need a lot of guidance. You need a lot of guidance from people around you. There are great people who have done this before. But you need a lot of guidance from God himself. It's very easy for us, it would be very easy for us to just copy uh, what the church up the road or down the road is doing, but that's not what we're called to do here at Encounter. The other day, um, I was so angry, which I don't know if I'm allowed to say there's a pastor, but I was, and I, I was angry about something, and I wrote this letter, and I thought it was a brilliantly written letter. It probably had heaps of spelling mistakes in it, actually, because nobody checked over it, but I thought it was brilliant. And I wrote this letter and I was ready to send it to these people that I was kind of just angry. And I think I was righteously angry, but I was still angry. Um, and I was ready to send this letter. And I felt the Lord say to me, just do your journaling. Just, just, just journal before you do that. And I was like, okay. So I put it in my draft folder and I went and picked up my scriptures. And I opened my scriptures to read about David and Saul. I'm reading, like I said, I'm reading 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel and I started to read about David and Saul, and Saul was this king, and, and he was this mighty, mighty man who had thousands and thousands of people um, that worked for him, and, and David was a shepherd boy who God had seen, had a heart for him, and so had anointed him to be the next, uh, next king after Saul, and, and Saul didn't like that. So Saul was trying to chase David down to kill him. He'd been hunting him down for years and months and a long time, and David comes to this point where Saul's asleep in this cave and David comes up and he has his spear and he's ready to kill Saul and Saul's, Saul's asleep and so he has this opportunity to kill Saul and he doesn't. He stops and he walks away and the reason he walks away is because this was God's anointed at that moment and he said, actually, it's not my time to kill Saul. It's not my place to kill Saul. God needs to sort out the leadership there. And he has anointed me to be the king over Israel. So I will be the king over Israel in his timing, not David's timing. And as I, as I read that, God just placed on my heart, it is not time for you to send that letter. It is not time for you to address that issue. That I will deal with the leaders that are responsible. I will deal with things in my time. Now, David didn't know then whether Saul was going to catch him and kill him. He knew that he was anointed to be king, but there would have surely been some fear in his life. This guy had thousands upon thousands of people serving him and, and trying to find David. And so David didn't know what the future would behold. And can I tell you, David didn't become king over Israel for many, many years. I don't know what the future holds. And this letter wasn't going to make me king or anything like that. <laughs> None of that. But I don't know what the future holds. And I don't know what God wants to do in his timing upon everything. And so I'm so glad that over years and years and years, I've learnt to hear the voice of God. And I've learnt to trust the scriptures. And it hasn't come over one day or one month. But I've learned to stop and to say, God, what is it you want to say? And I've found that most of the time, it's occasionally he speaks to me through people, but most of the time he speaks to me through the scriptures. Now, I love this church and I love you people in it. 
but I won't do something just because you tell me to do it. Now, don't get me wrong, I will pack up the chairs if you ask me to pack up the chairs. It's not what I'm saying. But if you ask me to do something, something maybe slightly bigger than that, I won't just do it because you say it. I'll go to the scriptures and I'll go to God and I'll ask him, what is it that you are saying? And I know, and I know, and I know that God will lead me on the right path. And the scripture that we had it before really says that, that he will light our path. And the reason I know that is because of years and years and years of asking God that, of pressing into that. It hasn't just come instantly where I've gone, yeah, I just trust that God's going to tell me. I know it after years and years of that. Recently, I read about a huge a pastor in a huge church in the US who has been stepped down because of moral failing. And it's interesting, it, it really struck me when I read it. It hit me really hard because I thought about it and I thought of the, the story of Saul and David. And I thought Saul didn't start off bad. Saul didn't start off doing evil and that kind of thing. Saul started off well, God anointed him to be king over Israel. So he was doing something right. He didn't start off that way. But he did end up by falling on it. I'm going to spoil the story. He fell on his sword to kill himself. That's how his life ended. And I don't think he ever went into it thinking that was the way life was going to go. I don't think any of us goes into our life thinking that, um, you know, when we're starting our faith walk, thinking that we're ever going to be that person. And I don't believe that pastor in the U.S., started off badly. I don't know him, but I choose to believe the best in people. And I believe he probably would have started off ministry in a really um, fantastic way, wanting to serve God, wanting to be a part of a life-giving church. But the truth is that over time, if we don't check ourselves before God, if we don't know God on an intimate and deep level, your character will be shaped by the world around you. Your character is either shaped by God or it is shaped by the world. It doesn't go other than that. But when we allow God to shape our character, we forgive. When we allow God to shape our character, we don't get bitter. What can happen when people start coming to church is they start out pursuing God, right? Which is awesome. But they end up following the church rather than following Jesus. I don't ever want to get to the point where I put you guys above my relationship with God, ever. I think that's why we see those, um, those character flaws come out when that happens. And let this be a warning to you. Follow Jesus. Don't follow the church. Jesus loves the church and he's using us to do amazing things. But we're not the be all and end all, he is. I think you can kind of tell whether you're at that, where you're at at the crossroad there. And it usually is outside of these four walls. So I ask you today that just to check how you're going outside of the church walls, outside of, you know, even some of maybe your church friends. I ask you to, I ask you to check yourself, not because I want anyone here to ever feel guilty, not at all, 
But I ask you to check yourself because God wants to feel you. He wants to have a deep and close relationship with you outside of these four walls. These four walls are awesome. And I encourage you to always continue to come to church and be around the Christian community. Um, But your relationship with God is what really shapes your character. My relationship with Scripture is like my relationship with air. I need it to live. It's life for me. When it becomes life for you, your whole world changes. Your character becomes more like Christ. You finish the race well. I was just talking about Billy Graham this week. You know, a pastor who finished the race well. I want to be like that. It's only when we take our eyes off Jesus and we put them on ourselves that we stumble. And I love that we don't have a God who lets us fall to the ground when we stumble. I love that we have a God that catches us right where we're at. And I love that he carries us and walks us through that. I know it's an old poem, but I love the footsteps in the sand poem. I love it because if you've never heard of it, essentially it's someone and they're looking, at the back, looking back after walking along a beach and they, they see a section where there's only one footprint and they say, God, that was my hardest time in my life. Why did you leave me? Because there were two footprints before that and they were walking with Jesus. And he said, I didn't leave you, I carried you. And I love that because we don't have a God who just lets us fall. And I love that in this church, one of our values is real. If you've never been here before, one of our values is real. And I love that. Because we can actually be honest with God and say, actually, do you know what? I have been living for the church or living for the world and not living for you. And this is a safe place that you can do that. You don't need your life run by anybody else except God. Everybody at some point in their life will let you down. I will possibly let you down. I am not perfect. But his word will help you live for God and it will shape your life for the better. God does not look at your past. He looks at your future. We are a future-focused church here at Encounter. And I want to finish the race well, and I want you guys to finish the race well. And that is why I'm speaking about reading our scriptures and getting to know Jesus tonight. Reading my Bible changed my life for the better. I'm different when I read my Bible. I'm a different person. When I read my Bible, I'm calmer. When I read my Bible, I'm more focused. When I read my Bible, I'm more loving. It's helping me move from who I am to who I want to be. And that's what this whole series is about. Being filled with the Spirit and reading God's Word changes who I am for the better. God doesn't give us rules in the Bible to limit us. No, he writes it there so we can be free and live a life that truly makes us understand love. And it's only then that can we break out of the cycle that we've been in. Day by day, as the word gets into your heart, it changes you. You might not notice it in day one. So if you decide to read your scriptures daily, you may not notice it in, in day one. You might notice it in week one. You might not even notice it in the first month or so. But ask some of your friends a couple of months in, how your character's going, if they've seen any changes in you. And I can guarantee they will say they have. I had the privilege last year of um, watching someone read their Bible a lot more, getting into the scriptures. And at the end of the year, 
I really saw a changed person in a really good way. So positive. Um, so on fire for what God wanted to do is awesome. But does temptation still come at them? Of course it does. It comes at all of us. But when you know God, you know how and why we should respond. We want to be more like Jesus. And we want to be more like Jesus. Our whole life changes. Now, I probably won't read heaps of books this year, I'm sorry to say. This, this, this topic has definitely helped me understand how I should, but I probably won't. But I will read my scripture, and I will get into the Word of God. And in, in, in all honesty, it's just a decision that I've made that I've never, ever regretted. I want to give you three practical tips tonight. How to, we want to make this series really practical for you. So three ways you can get into the Word of God this year. Number one, buy a really cool journal. That sounds silly, right? But buy something that you would like to have out on your coffee table or by your bed. Something that you can have out so you can remember that that is something that you want to do this year. One of our interns started this year, um, started this week, sorry, and he brought along, I don't have, uh, I don't have it, sorry, but he brought along his journal and it was about this size. It's about a little notebook, this one, to take some notes. And we said, nah, man, you need a really cool journal. So we gave him one of our encounter journals. Very cool journal with a little encounter embossed here. If you've been on staff, um, if you've been an intern, if you were lucky to be journaling journaling with us um, before Christmas last two years ago, before we launched, um, you would have got one of these. If you didn't get one of them and you want a really cool encounter journal, come speak to me. We do have some left over and I can sell them to you. But that's not what I'm talking about. Go to Officeworks if you don't want one of these and grab a really, really cool journal. I'm also not sponsored by Officeworks either, but I do like Officeworks. The second point, start with Jesus. If you've never read your Bible and you've never journaled, start with Jesus. Grab your Bible, open it up, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. These are the Gospels. These are the stories of Jesus. This is where you can learn what it is and how it is to live a life for God. And the third thing is, write on what you're reading. For me, I've been doing books of the Bible. So I've been journaling through books of the Bible. But grab, open up whatever it is you want to read and read a chapter. Read the whole chapter and just see what God's saying to you. And I've just written, write on what you're reading. Just write it down. Write down whatever you feel like God is saying to you, whatever it is. People will tell you there is a time of day to read your Bible. There is a certain way to do it. And yes, there are plenty of ways to do it. But the truth of the matter is get into the Word of God. If you want to be more like Jesus, then you need to be in the Word of God. And it doesn't matter how you do it. I'll tell you how I do it just so maybe it'll help. That's not up there, unfortunately. Um, But I use soap, the word soap. And it helps me journal through the Scriptures. So essentially I put an S to start and I write down what the Scripture is. S is for Scripture. And um, so I know where it comes from. Then I do O, observation. What is a scripture saying to me? And the, and the lights of David and, and Saul, I might write how David went in to kill Saul and um, the Lord spoke to him about not doing that and about, you know, um, whatever he was doing. And then A is for application. Application is what does it mean to you personally? So for me in that circumstances, what it meant for me was that I needed to respect my leaders. I needed to respect those that had been placed in authority over me and to not send that letter. And then P, prayer. For many people, they love to write down 
um, their whole prayer, which is awesome. I just personally just write down what I'm going to pray on and then I just pray. Um, but that's completely up to you. But can I encourage you, if you do those three things, you will see your life changed. You will see your relationship with God change. You will see your character change. I am... Um, if you are not a Christian here, and this is the first time to church and reading you like, why would I read the Bible? Can I encourage you that God speaks to you through the word? And if you're not a Christian, you know what? You can grab one of our hosts. We have some Bibles and um, New Testament Bibles, and you can grab them. You can take one, no questions asked. And I just encourage you, open it up and say, God, speak to me. Test him, and he will reveal himself to you. I guarantee it. When we read the rest of Psalm 119, it really speaks into all of this. So we're just going to read through the rest of it before we finish up. It, says, it starts off by saying, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, into a light unto my path. And I'm going to read the rest from the Message Bible. I've committed myself and I'll never turn back from living by your righteous order. Everything's falling apart on me, God. Put me together again with your word. Festoon me with your finest sayings, God. Teach me your holy rules. My life is as close as my own hands. But I do not forget what you have revealed. The wicked do their best to throw me off track, but I do not swerve an inch from your course. I inherited your book on living. It is mine forever. What a gift and how happy it makes me. I concentrate on doing exactly what you say. I always have and I always will. I'm not going to read out the rest of Psalm 119 because it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's massive. But I will tell you that the rest of the scripture keeps reminding us that God's word, God's word is a gift. It's a blessing. And it's there for us to change your life. Last year, um, I also got to walk through um, with someone on their journey in Christ. And um, you might remember Georgie. We said goodbye to her a couple of weeks ago to Melbourne. Devo. But Georgie... Georgie is a beautiful soul, and I love her. But she would tell you that before she came to Encounter, she was really struggling in her faith, really struggling. And she um, essentially was, she was serving on the kids' team, so she was going to a church and just serving there, but that was it. She wasn't actually engaging with her faith in any way. And she came to Encounter, and she said, Jen, I want to engage in my faith. And she was in my life group, and I've asked her to share this story, but she was in my life group. And um, I said to her, I said, "Hun, I'd like to help you with that, and I'd like to help you get into the Word of God because I think that'll change your life. And so for a couple of weeks, every single day, I just messaged her and I said, have you read your Bible yet? And she'd message me back and say, sometimes no, sometimes yes, mostly yes, um, and tell me what God had been saying to her. And she will tell you this if you ask her. But reading her scriptures started to transform her relationship with God. She became so in love with Jesus. And she, you know what? She knew why she believed as well. And last year, we had the privilege at the end of the last year of baptising Georgie. And she didn't do that lightly. She just didn't make a decision that she was just going to get baptised because she made a decision because over the year, her faith had grown from being in the Word of God and being in a church community that supported that. We encourage you to get into a life group 
because there we get to study the Scriptures and you can ask those questions. But can I encourage you, find somebody and become accountable to them. Tell them, I, I, I want to get to know God better. I want to change my trajectory of my life. Tell them, be accountable to them and watch how your character and your life changes.